Hey guys. Hiya love. Hiya love. I'm Gabs <laughs> and this is my girlfriend Soph. Hello. We are your hosts. Welcome to Queer Podcast where we hear all things queer. We bring you the best of all the coming out stories, the good, the bad, the ugly and the outright hilarious. This is the content that we wish we had during our closeted years. So stay tuned for our weekly episodes. <laughs> Welcome back to Queer Podcast. Episode 8, where we'll be talking to Alan, who is how old, Gabs? 60, I think. Is he 60? 61 or something. Okay. He's yeah. an old bugger, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so he talks about uh, his coming out story and what it was like coming out in the late 70s, early 80s, it would have been. Well, Alan is actually a very close friend of my mum. Yeah, he actually <laughs> dated my mum when they were eight years old <laughs> before <laughs> he came out. But he talks more about that in his story. And we're not going to say the whole cliche things of... Oh my god, your mum made him straight. I was literally... <laughs> <laughs> made him gay. Oh, oh. <laughs> god, queer is just becoming so, like, normal to me. <laughs> okay, so it's just a, a short episode as well, so we're just going to answer some of your questions that have come in on Instagram. Are you ready, Gabs? We put a poll on our Instagram a few weeks ago, so we're now taking the opportunity to answer some of the questions that you guys have for us. Yes. Go on, so okay, so we've got how are you? How are you? I'm claustrophobic, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a massive Gemma Collins fan in the room. <laughs> Prepare yourself for all the Gemma Collins references ever. She's got a Gemma Collins soundboard on her phone. It's an app, by the way, if anyone wants to download it. It does cost 99p, but I think it's a very, very solid financial investment. <laughs> But actually, if you just listen to this podcast, you'll have your own free Gemma Collins soundboard because I will provide you with all the Gemma Collins content that you ever need. (laughs) Anyway, I asked you a question, Gabs. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Good? I'm really happy. But really, how are you? Oh my God, I was hoping you'd ask. (laughs) (laughs) No, we are so good and like loving doing this podcast as well. I mean, the state that the world's in right now, it's good to kind of focus on something and Mm. and, um, provide this content as well. Like it it means a lot to both of us to do that, especially with my coming out as well. Like I had a bit of a hard time with that. So I really wanted to to do this and, and put some content out there that may help people struggling with it themselves yeah definitely I feel exactly the same it's so it's nice because I spend most of my time just chatting shit so it's nice to be able to do that and put it towards something of a good cause I'm like right Gabs come on let's channel this um, inner radio host this inner the inner star let's put that to some (laughs) good use you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) um so so many people asked how we met. We've had this in all forms of questions. So how did we meet, Gabs? Give it to them. Well, it all started once upon a time. With a fucking swipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we met on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I downloaded it and you downloaded it that same day. And we, we swiped each other that day. We did. And then we started chatting and I, and I just deleted it. I was like, I don't want to date anyone else. Yes, we were chatting for a couple of weeks and then... Not we... even really. No. <laughs> but there was just something about you. <laughs> it was just, it was none of that small talk shit, you know, it was just straight into... Yeah, it was oh, realness. <laughs> no, I am it... serving you Tinder realness. realness. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And now here we are. Yeah. Coming together as a business partner. I know. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> so I'm sorry that it's not more of an exotic story. It's literally just, yeah, we murdered. Yeah, we're not going to give you all the soppy shit. Come on. <laughs> Me? Soppy shit? No. <laughs> okay. Who's the moody one? Who's the moody one, Gabs? <laughs> who's the moody one if if only you guys could see my face right now <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know when when a dog chews something up and you're like who done this and the dog's like mm, not me <laughs> she's like guilty <laughs> well you're talking about two very relaxed people here like all right both very chill but i go from like zero to ten I'm back, whereas... And I probably don't get higher than a 10, ever, really. Gabs goes from zero to 100 in a millisecond, yeah. but then she comes <laughs> right back down in five minutes, and she acts all, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God, I'm so cute. Look at me. Oh, Shut I'm up. so cute. Oh, my God, give me a cuddle. <laughs> Fuck off. You don't hesitate to come and give me a cuddle. You love no, it. No, I don't. <laughs> Soph's maximum sort of moodiness is very controlled and very minimal if you're comparing it to the general sort of expectations of someone being in a mood yeah <laughs> pretty much the rest of the questions are all saying tell me your coming out stories oh, <laughs> so yeah. when's that gonna happen <laughs> i think we'll probably have our own episode for that yeah yeah defo because we'll be here for way too long yeah <laughs> we're gonna have our own episode soon it was like a tough time for myself and this is really why i wanted to do this mm. so yeah I will be ready soon to share that. <laughs> Keep an ear out for queer. Yes. Anyway, we'll leave the stage to Alan. And we hope you enjoy this episode just as much as we enjoyed talking to him. Here's Alan. <laughs> Hi, Alan. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So lovely to have you. Hi Gabby and it's a Hello. pleasure to be with you. <laughs> so you've come on to the podcast today to tell us all about your coming out story. Apparently yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what I'm going to tell you I might have to be prompted by your questions but. Okay uh, so I, why don't we start with a brief introduction why don't you introduce a little bit about yourself to our listeners. About me okay right I am 61 year old Sagittarian Originally Ooh. from Manchester, born in, uh, actually born in Blackburn, but lived in Worsley, where uh, I grew up and went to school. Then I went to university to study horticulture. I'm a, a horticulturist, although through my life, I've sort of veered off and done all sorts of other things. And I now, for the last 30 years, actually, scarily, I've lived in, uh, in Suffolk. First of all, in Ipswich, and now I live in a lovely little little rural part of Suffolk called well, a town called Framlingham, whose real only claim to fame is it's got a 12th century castle and it's the home of Ed Sheeran. So take it. Oh, nice. We love Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still working just about, although obviously, like everybody else, furloughed for the last almost 12 months. And I work in sales. I'm a sales and sell export sales manager primarily. That's what I do. And for my sins at the moment, I don't grow plants. I don't. Uh, I don't do horticulture. I sell glue. You sell glue. I work for a company, uh, a, an adhesive company based yeah. down. Yeah. So you're not in a sticky situation with this <laughs> pandemic, then. I'm always <laughs> in a sticky situation, my dear. <laughs> I was in a relationship with a long-term partner from about ninety. 
1993 until suddenly that all ended 24 years later, which was, I think, 2016. So, yeah, it was pretty long term. Um, and then since then, I have rekindled the relationship, well, it wasn't a relationship, a new relationship with a guy that I knew from when I first came to Suffolk, who's American, who was at the time a US Air Force captain on the big uh, US Air Force base here in Suffolk, in Woodbridge. Uh, at the time he was with his partner, I was with my partner, but we've over the years stayed in touch on and off. And uh, his relationship ended, I think in about 2008. And then we, we got together, went on a couple of holidays back from 2018. And then last year, well, no, actually, goodness me, time. I've lost a year. Uh, 2019, <laughs> having been on holiday to the States and to Palm Springs and San Francisco, then he came over in the August after lots of sort of deep breaths and mulling about it. I sort of jumped in with both feet and said, come on, we're both getting on a bit. We're both on our own. Let's just get it together. Aww. Oh, wow. And it's apart from the fact that he's 4,000 miles away in uh, in Tennessee, but uh, we are in contact every day. We, we messenger video, I'm afraid to say, about two or three times a day, which is... Uh, that is nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> no. <laughs> we love that. Counting the days when we can, uh, either I can fly to the States or we can fly over here or, you know, and get together. Friday the 29th, it will be one year since we met up in uh... Bangkok. Whoa, oh, Bangkok. Cool. For two weeks there, last uh, January, February. But my God, it's a year on Friday. So there we are. So, Alan, what was coming out like for you then? Yeah, for me, it was uh, interesting. It, it, I was saying to me, I, I went to school, I went to Bolton School. Uh, I went to quite a, a good school, quite a nice school, a direct grammar school in the day, which have now been abolished. It's now, I think, an independent school. But it was uh, it was a really good school. I was just from a regular working class family, so I was there. And quite bizarrely, from about I don't know thirteen, fourteen, as you sort of get into adolescence and start becoming aware of your sexuality. I mean, I did have girlfriends. Obviously, I had a girlfriend at the age of eight. Believe it or not. Yeah. There we are. I wonder who that was. Yeah. My mum. <laughs> <laughs> Around about 13, 14, uh, well, it's a long story for this. I don't want to get into all the lurid details, but... Yeah, we want it all. Well, what I, I think that the angle I'm going to take is that I think you naturally gravitate to similar types of people. And my friends at the time, both at school and out of school, it turns out, although we didn't know it at the time, at 13, 14, 15, it, it turned out we were all gay, right? So... The coming out to myself, in if you like, but the realization that I was gay wasn't really at all a trauma at all. It was just like-minded people, and yeah, we went. Of course, you won't go through the sort of adolescent mauling about and dabbling and all of that, but it wasn't any trauma, you know. Even though yeah. you know there was name calling that, but I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I had my tight-knit group of friends, so we all were able to support each other. That's really well. nice, and I'm. I'm eternally grateful. I only realised really how grateful I should be for that situation when, as I mentioned, my partner, my long-term partner, who had a very different experience. I mean, he was alone. He was bullied at school. He was even bullied by teachers at his school. Oh, really? Yeah, which That's awful. He had problems all through his life with, you know, depression or wrestling, mm. which I think is they can attribute to, uh, to to that sort of 
early age bullying. But anyway, that was his, his law. But for me, it wasn't really a problem, you know. I mean, I, I sort of became aware sexually. I had my first flings with various people. There was an older guy at the school, four years older than me then, who was very manipulative, really, from a very wealthy family. And there's a whole catalogue of ridiculous adventures I went on when he was trying to sort of woo me and lure me and all the rest of it. But nothing really happened, actually, until I was about 18, when I sort of really thought, oh, why not? But, mm. yeah, so I suppose that's the coming out to myself. I think the coming out to probably family is always a bit more tricky. And although my, my I've got wonderful parents who are both still alive, I mean, in the late 80s now, and my mum is, you know, classic sort of northern matriarch, or strong woman, you know, under the thumb husband sort of thing. It's cliched, almost cliched. But interestingly, the, when I was outed there, it was a bit traumatic, actually, uh, although it went on and since then and things have got very acceptable. But when you asked me to do this interview, I, I was thinking through and sort of recollecting how things happen. And I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the very good things, very bad things, the traumatic things in your life, they, they sear themselves into your memory. And you, you know, they really you, do. Yeah. Get older, you'll remember things that were either very good or very bad or traumatic or happy or sad or all those things. Remember them like they were just yesterday, you know. But this particular, I'll tell you how the thing happened. I mean, I was first year at university. I went to university to study horticulture, as I mentioned, University of Bath. I'd had to leave all my, you know, some friends had gone to universities, others were still in Manchester, in the Manchester area. So every time I used to come back, I'd always meet up with various people from school and from the locality. And I was back for the Easter holidays, so that would have been in probably 1978. It happened that we were invited to a party up in, in Bolton somewhere from, from school. And uh, this party was student party was out all night. And I was hanging around with a girl in Worcester at the time. And I remember coming back the next day and my mother greeted me at the door with a stony face. And I mean, she's not really prone to that sort of behavior. I was like, what the hell's going on? And she said to me, I think you better come upstairs. So followed her upstairs and went into my bedroom. And there on my desk was my diary. Oh, God. Back in Hey, we used to, you know, used to write diaries. I mean, stupid thing. I went to a party, went for a drink with Baz. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <gasps> and when I was at university, I, I, it wasn't actually anything. Suddenly, nothing. I mean, I wasn't even seeing this guy, but I'd become quite uh, infatuated with this fellow student who was mm -hmm. uh, yeah. writing all this crap like you do when you're sort of <laughs> 15 years old about how, you know, your feelings. Yeah, definitely. It was a page on its own that I've not written a, like a regular daily diary. Anyway, this diary was open at this page. Oh my God, I can't, oh, believe, I can't believe she read it. <laughs> I think you've explain this. So you can imagine, I mean, I was like at one angry, very angry and very defensive and, and really was mm. like wanted to lash out. And I think there was probably some tears and she was really quite stern and quite, you know, we, you need to explain this. I think your father should be. So she calls my dad in then. And my oh, dad, bless him, was a former you know, Salford rugby player, a man of very few words, really. <laughs> and uh, he sort of like ambled in looking very sheepish. Um, and 
I think I just lashed out and I said, you know, my, my biggest, most hurtful thing for me was that she'd read my diary, you know, which was... Of course. I, I mean, you have to be ready for that yourself mentally to do that. And that was kind of, you was pushed into that. Well, you yeah. didn't even come out. You was, no, they was, found out, didn't they? It's, found, it's being found out. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was the fact. So after quite a bit of like argument and shouting and being upset and crying and I think I said, I think I, oh, well, sod you, I'm, I'm going out. And I, and I stormed out of the house and went across Worsley Green to this girl that I'd been at the party with, Susan, Susan Marshall, and sort of went and poured my heart out to her. And uh, this was like at the end of the first week of the Easter holidays, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back to university tomorrow. I'm going back early. I'm going back a week early because I just can't stand it here. Mm-hmm. And that's really the most vivid that I can remember. I can't remember going back home then. And obviously there must have been... Oh, there was. I think there was. I think there was, a, there was a, an awful cliched line when I did go back. I think my mum said something like, "Oh, well, it's probably just a phase you're going through." Oh, typical. <laughs> <laughs> and so a couple of days later, I, I buggered off back to university. I thought, then it, it was like nothing. It was like the elephant in the room. Nothing was ever said. Nothing was ever referred to. Yeah, I can relate to that. And you know, I'm still for my mum every week on a Sunday night from university. And, yeah, and then time went on and did my th- four years at university. And then I actually went to work overseas after that. In, I went to work in landscaping in the Middle East. And nothing was ever, ever mentioned of course, into my 20s. I was having gabbles and, you know, but nothing terribly serious. And funnily enough, I mean, crazily enough, I came back to UK after working abroad when I was 28, moved home back to my parents, but then very quickly got a job down here in Suffolk, which is why I came down to East Anglia mm-hmm. and bought my own house and made a circle of friends down here, which is when I actually first met this guy, David, who I'm now with, which is bizarre, but nothing, you know, he was with a partner and that's when I met Stuart. Anyway, so that relationship started and it was only then after, what, about six months of seeing Stuart, who went on to be my long-term sort of life partner then, was... Um, that he decided we decided that we'd move in together and he moved in and after sort of two months three months this the, the official line to my mother was this is my a lodger you know i'm a lodger and then after that then it's became ridiculous because i thought well, this this is absurd i mean i'm 32 years old you know the time is well and truly here to face the music and put mm-hmm. my cards on the table you know so and i, I must confess i did it very cowardly in a way because uh, I was in Suffolk, parents were in Manchester. But one weekend when I, I, I sort of built myself up to, right, I'm going to have to tell her, just tell her how things are. So I phoned up, spoke to my mum and said, oh, there's something, something that I really do need to talk to you about, something that I really should have told you a while back, but said, you know, Stuart is living here. I said, well, he's my partner and I'm gay. To which my mother just replied, oh, well, love, we've known since you were 18. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like she was waiting for you to come to her. To Maybe she realised that it was your moment to tell her, so she was giving you that time away at uni and stuff to build up yourself to come and say it to her. But you know what? And and again, I've been thinking about this in the run-up to this chat we're having. She never apologised to me. All the years, I mean, she got to know Stuart, you know, we used to go on holiday with mum and dad, you know, me and my mm-hmm. partner, and he was accepted absolutely, you know, and, and all of that. But she never apologised to me for that, the way she handled it back when I was 18, 19. Mm-hmm. 
over here. But no, she, it was an initial reaction from her side. And then I don't think she ever felt it was her place to then reopen yeah. King Dog's Lie, whatever they say, you know, open old wounds until I felt it was my time. Yeah. Do you think that it wasn't talked about because you had then a separate life? From that moment, you like chose to kind of stay away and you was at uni, then you was living away. Do you think that your life being so separate kind of made that easier not to talk about? I suppose it did in a way. I mean, had I been living at home under that same roof and then, you know, although, I mean, all my friends at the time, all my friends were, were gay. I mean, that's, that's funny, actually, it's reminded me when, when we had the initial discovery in the diary reading, I remember sort of, lashing out to someone and say, yeah, well, Bazzy's gay and Jeff's gay and Clyde's gay and... <laughs> We're all bloody gay. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think she probably felt bad about the, the way she had reacted and, and just wanted to wait until it was my time. To, and I didn't yeah. have any particular reason to, to flaunt it because I didn't have a, a sort of a partner that I, was, that I would want to go to, you know, family weddings with or family funerals or all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it happened when it had to happen and when it was sort of felt right to happen. But since then, I mean, they've been fantastic. I mean, both my mum and my dad have been very, very supportive, very understanding. Um, yeah, and, and then even my uh, my partner's parents were equally so as well. And although that, he, he had a bit of a trauma because they didn't know until he moved in with me. And then that wow. triggered the... And he was, when he was younger than me, he was almost 10 years younger, so he was only 22 at the time, so it was a bit, bit, bit raw for him, a bit. Yeah. And to, to conclude how their son might have been developing. <laughs> but, yeah, but see, it's funny looking back. I mean, it's just that it's all's well that ends well in a way, and they've been very, very good with me over the years. Yeah, see, that's really yeah. nice to, to hear that you've... Um, I mean, it was what a scandalous reveal. I know, I can't <laughs> believe it. I can't believe she read your diary. I know. Yeah, so I don't know if that's of interest for your little podcast. Yeah, brilliant. Alan, something that we always ask people at the end is, have you got a message for your pre-closeted self before you come out or before that, that whole diary scandal? What would you say to yourself or a nice message? Yeah, really just believe in yourself and uh, do what has to be done. Take the bull by the horn, really. Do, do it sooner than rather than later. Yeah, doesn't yeah. it? around the bush just get it and it's it's that once it once you do say those words i am gay it's like oh it's this wonderful sort of well you guys know i mean it's yeah very liberating liberating definitely yeah yeah thank you alan yeah thank you (laughs) so much that was a good story Actually, just revisiting those old memories and just retelling the story once again. So thank you for listening. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bloody hell, what a story, eh? I know. I can't believe that his mum read his diary. I know. Oh, Thank God my mum didn't read my diary when I, when I was like growing up, maybe like 13, 14. She wouldn't have had to come out at 17, let's just say that. <laughs> well, if my mum read my diaries, it just would have been like in purple glitter gel pen saying like, today i done this and then i done that and then i done this. <laughs> kids are just so funny, like to read a kid's diary would just be hilarious. Yeah, it would. If we take the um, humour out of that. Oof. I know. Bloody hell. Yeah, it's very personal that. Like, I'm 
that's why I really don't write diaries. Mm. If I write something like to try and get have an outlet. Yeah, to try and have an outlet or something, um, I burn it. Oh, that's a good a good thing to do. Like you know, write it, write it out. <laughs> well, write it out. You know, if you can't afford the bloody yeah. therapist. Yeah. Write it out and burn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you to Alan there for coming on the podcast and sharing mm. his story. I think it was very brave. I mean, it's always brave coming out, isn't it? But especially when he was growing up, it was a lot more um, of a taboo thing to be gay, yeah. wasn't it? So, oh my god, like each year. I mean, we say it's getting easier and easier, but like everyone's struggle is real mm. and it's very different. Like, and when we say it's getting easier, it's in the society that we know. Like, yeah. in other places, it's illegal to even have these thoughts, <laughs> gay thoughts, you know? know. But yeah, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Yes. And who have we got next week, Gabs? Well, drumroll, please. We have someone by the name of Annabelle. I like to call her Anna Bay. <laughs> she is one of my best mates um she's a diehard lesbian we love it yes and her story is quite a whirlwind a lot of things i didn't actually know even yeah. though i'm really close with her yeah um, and uh, and i was gripped like i really was gripped so i'm sure you all will be annabelle and i come from the same community which is a jewish community so it's really really interesting to hear her Mm-hmm. experience with that also a story is very relatable for me she's like the story hybrid of both of us yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so if you want to know why a pair of docs outed her <laughs> then tune in on the next episode yeah outed by a pair of docs what about that i know <laughs> diehard lesbians will get it yeah <laughs> anyway, anyway. Oh! <laughs> thank you so much for listening again you're the best and we can't wait to share the next episode with you yeah and we got so many lined up keep an ear out for queer yeah see you a lot bye bye, bye. bye.